Well, are you sold out this morning? Are you filled with the spirit of God's love? Isn't that great to always feel good, right? To always feel good all the time, right? Yes, but what about those moments when you're a, a little tired, when life has simply worn you out and you're a little exhausted? Do you feel the spirit? When life has worn you out so much so that you can't even see your future, you have no clue what it's about. Or even when your holy union becomes an unholy meltdown and you have a heartbreak longing for something in the past. Do you always feel the spirit when your financial bills begin to pile up because of unforeseen circumstances and unforeseen costs? Do you feel the spirit when people talk about your lifestyle, you and your family? When people talk about all the things that are wrong with you, they make you want to get up and tell a Christian to go pray where the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> Do you feel the spirit then? When you've been used, abused, and ridiculed, when you've lost so much, and when you just can't seem to be honest and deal with your life issues anymore, do you feel the Spirit? I must confess to you all that there are times when I do not even feel the Spirit. There are times, Gospel Ensemble, when my mind isn't always made up. There are times when I too question whether or not my life is truly meaningful. Frankly, sometimes I don't want to talk about the goodness of God. There's the story of Sophia and her good friend, Sister Agnes. Sister Agnes was a, a, was a nun at a local convent. And Sophia wasn't the most religious person, but she loved bingo. How many of you love bingo? So she and Sister Agnes met at the church bingo hall. How do you like that? And in fact, they both won the same round of bingo and had to split the $50 pot. And as you might imagine, Sophia wasn't feeling the, the blessing of having to share her winnings with Sister Agnes. So you would have never thought they would become friends, but they became close friends, actually. Sister Agnes became someone Sophia confided in. She bared her soul to her. She told her her deepest thoughts and frustrations. Anything that was on her heart, Sophia would tell. But then one day, one day, Sister Agnes had a heart attack and passed away. Sophia was at a loss, not knowing what to do, feeling like her life is meaningless, her future uncertain without her friend, Sister Agnes. Maybe, Sophia thought, just maybe, maybe I'll become a nun. No, this is ridiculous. You don't want to be a nun. Yes, I do, Dorothy. God reminded me today that I've always had a dream, a very private dream, one I never talked about. When I was growing up, I wanted to join the convent. Well, until I was 17. <laughs> what happened then? Your father put his hand in my blouse. <laughs> so, so I felt soiled, filthy, dirty. You know, in love. <laughs> But this time, I'm going to fulfill my destiny. This time, I'm going to become a nun. Oh, Sister Claire, how nice to see you again. Come in. Dorothy, this is Sister Claire. She interviewed me last week about joining her order. Please, sit down. Ma, you actually went to a convent? Why didn't I know that? Because you're divorced. Technically, in the eyes of the church, you don't even exist. <laughs> I spit on you. Unless, of course, the sister would like to spit on you first. I'm her daughter, Dorothy. 
You'll have to excuse my mother. She suffered a slight stroke a few years ago, which rendered her totally annoying. <laughs> and uh, what brings you here? The follow-up interview. We have very strict guidelines when selecting postulants, so we're going to put Sophia through a battery of psychological tests. It helps weed out the crazies and undesirables. Sorry, Ma. <laughs> Imagine Rose is trying to blame the whole thing on me. That woman has one hell of a lot of nerve. <laughs> Hello. I'm a Baptist. Oh, I know a few Baptists in this room, huh? Thank God they were, she wasn't MCC. Who knows what she would say? That is, of course, a clip from season six of The Golden Girls, where Sophia bears her soul with her daughter Dorothy about becoming a nun. Sophia does end up joining a local order, but soon confesses that she only became a nun because she thought her life was meaningless. And she thought the local order would give her life that meaning, especially after the death of her friend, Sister Agnes. In the telling of her confession, Sophia is reminded of her own family and friends. She's reminded of her charity work at the hospital, her volunteer hours at the Red Cross and the Meals on Wheels. But it's only after revealing her heart to Dorothy that she realizes that her life is already full of meaning. Even though her life felt empty when Sister Agnes died, Sophia doesn't need to join a convent to meet God or to find something meaningful. The truth is, she's already living out divine truth already in her life. She has meaning just the way she is. The spirituality of the Golden Girls, huh? We are to embody God wherever we are. But like you and I know, sometimes stuff happens, right? We simply don't feel like it. Sometimes we don't feel like we're filled with the Spirit of God. We instead feel exhaustion, pain, frustration, and uncertainty. We instead feel bound by chains of oppression, psychological and spiritual. I confess to you that I feel like that sometimes, but maybe that's just me. Maybe today that's just me, but definitely not in the first century. Our gospel reading this morning, the gospel of John is written in the last decade of the first century, around 70 years after Jesus is unjustly murdered on the cross. John's community remembers the impact Jesus has had on them. They've been trying to embody the good news that Jesus talked about. You know, God's unconditional love. Loving your neighbor as yourself, embodying Christ, trying to be the light of the world. But you know, sometimes stuff happens. Many people think the Gospels are all about Jesus, and that's all. I'm going to give you a little insight today. It's confession time. We have to let the Gospels come out and tell the truth about them. The Gospels are not just about Jesus. The Gospels give insights into the communities of the authors who knew Jesus. Every Gospel is tied to a specific community of which the authors are a part. The Gospel of John, yep, it's about Jesus, but it's also a confession about John's community. In almost every story of Jesus, there's a little glimpse and insight and truth about what John's community is experiencing. And we know that years after Jesus' crucifixion, reports are that John's community is persecuted by the Roman Empire. They're being bullied for challenging Roman policies that are keeping the common folks in chains of poverty, fear, and oppression. Does that sound familiar to you? 
Rome even destroys the temple in Jerusalem. The very house of God, the symbol of hope and the religious center of a people is burnt to the ground. And as if that's not enough, John's community is being bullied by the religious authorities who are shaming folks for not believing the right things about God. They're persecuted because they don't believe the right things. Does that sound familiar? But there's more. John's community is faced with strife and infighting. Some people are kicked out of their community centers and their synagogues because they are just too different to stay. Some are called sinners and they are verbally abused. Some are even spit on in disgust. This is the true story of John's community. They are exhausted. And honestly, I'm exhausted telling this story because it has too many reminders of many of our stories in this room. But these followers of Jesus are fatigued. They're full of fear. They're frustrated. And they need to be set free. And they are confessing their cry for help and bearing their souls right in Scripture. And their confession is this. We need to be freed from these never-ending burdens. And maybe that is what your soul is bearing this morning. But then... John reminds them of the words of Jesus. You who are my followers, if you are my disciples, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. All of a sudden, Jesus, his faithful followers, they remember the truth that Jesus taught them. And the truth is this, that Jesus, God incarnate, Jesus embodies God. God is within Jesus. And the truth is that that same spirit which was in Jesus is within all of us. God within us. They remember this truth and they confess this truth. John's community has no need to be ashamed of the ongoing drama that has encapsulated them for over 70 years. They might be fatigued and frustrated with their lives. They might feel like crawling into a corner and crying their eyes out. They might feel limited by their life circumstances. But if they remember the truth that God is always with them no matter what they feel, if they confess this truth, they will endure. So do you think you can confess truth? The first aspect of confessing truth is, of course, being honest about what we've been through and what we feel. Now, be very clear, I'm not talking about making your personal business everyone else's business. I'm talking about coming face to face with your own life circumstances. How many times do we pretend like nothing is going on in our lives? We live in denial, like everything is just peachy queen, don't we? We even try to rewrite our own sacred journeys to make them a little more bearable. And instead of dealing with our situations, we let our situations deal with us. Growing up in my family, there were many things people just didn't talk about. When teenagers got pregnant or someone got pregnant out of wedlock, no one talked about it. When a family member became the victim of a brutal sexual assault, nobody wanted to talk about it. Sweep it under the rug. If someone was gay or lesbian or acted out sexually, they were just different. No one wanted to talk about it. No one talked about what was really going on. No one discussed their feelings, how they felt. We bottled and we suppressed everything. We were fearful and we didn't want to show any signs of weakness. You see, there is vulnerability when you share the truth. So rather than show our vulnerability, we would rather not be open and honest. And of course, the consequences of not being completely honest with ourselves and one another were shown at family gatherings and public functions. People would drink, 
and start to feel good, right? And then they drink more and more, and they would feel so much more than good. People began to let their guard down, and all of a sudden, as the, as the beer and the wine and the liquor kicked in, in vino veritas, in wine there is truth, years of emotions, feelings that people had suppressed began to show up. It took heavy drinking for people to be honest. Uncles, grown macho men would start crying and begin to bare their souls, not in a healthy way, but in an unhealthy way. They began to start literal fistfights about events, matters that happened years ago, stuff that they kept hidden and suppressed, found its way out in unhealthy ways. How many times have you seen suppressed issues get dealt with in unhealthy ways? Heavy drinking, domestic violence, drug abuse, binge eating, bullying, people casually practicing unsafe sex and practicing unsafe texts, biblical literalism, using the Bible to shame other people in the name of God, that is practicing unsafe texts. People hurting their bodies, people hurting their lives, all because we do not want to confess the truth and just be honest. When you come face to face with the world and your life, and you're honest with yourself, and when you begin to be honest with one another, when you're not afraid to acknowledge that sometimes you feel broken, when you dare to confess that sometimes it's not all good, that is the first step to being set free from the chains that have you bound. But there's always a risk. If you stay at this first step, you risk falling into discouragement and hopelessness. You see, naming your fears opens the door for you to come face to face with them. And that's a very scary place. We don't want to do that. That's where John's community was in the first century, feeling discouraged, tired, and losing hope. That's where Sophia was when her friend's sister Agnes died, feeling discouraged, tired, with a loss of meaning in her life. And that's why it's important to move into the second step of confessing truth. And the second step is this, to tell the whole truth. After you begin to name your past, your troubled circumstances, or even your deepest and darkest secrets, confess the truth that even though you've experienced that stuff, none of that stuff defines who you are. The truth that you are not alone, that you are truly the light of the world, that you as a child of God embody the divine wherever you are, that is a truth that is truly liberating. This truth can allow you to break free from chains of all those unhealthy habits and bondage. People of God, this truth can really set us free. It has set me free many times. Being raised by my mother in a single-parent household, it wasn't always easy for me. Growing up in a society that says every child should have two parents, a mother and a father, because that's God's model, supposedly, for a child's upbringing. Sometimes it took its toll on me. There were numerous times when I felt incomplete because I never knew my own biological father. I felt like I was missing out on something, like I would never reach my own potential because there was a missing component in my upbringing. And thinking back, it was strange because I had a grandfather I was extremely close to, uncles I were extremely close to. Male figures were all around me, but because I didn't grow up, with the father that society said I should grow up with. That wasn't enough. The pain and the emptiness I felt became unbearable. Sometimes I was compelled to confess to my own mother what I was feeling. And I don't know how many times I'd be in her arms crying, and she would hold me close, and she was crying as well. 
as I asked her, why don't I have a father? Why can't our family be like everyone else's? And as I grew older, went to high school and college, I eventually made contact with my biological father, hoping that somehow that would make me feel complete, but it didn't. I finally confessed the whole truth to my mother, that looking back in hindsight, I had a great childhood upbringing. I was a good kid. My childhood life could not have been any fuller, whether I was playing baseball or basketball or playing in several music bands, went camping, even graduated salutatorian in high school. And on top of that, I also had the pleasure of organizing my mother's high heels in her closets. <laughs> I fell in love with all of my mother's favorite musicals and Broadway shows. Why would I need an extra parent to mess all that up, really? My mother trained this child in the way he should go. But I finally had to confess that to her, the whole truth, that the lack of a father in my household didn't take away from my childhood, didn't take away from my sacred value, that my feelings of unworthiness did not take away from my status as a complete and whole child of God. And people of God, that truth has set me free. For many of us, confession has been about telling our faults and shortcomings to a priest, a rabbi, a nun, a curandero, or some other holy person. Confessing to another person is a very helpful thing. You should try it sometimes. For many years, I've had a spiritual director to bear my soul with, and sometimes I felt compelled to confess to a close friend. And other times, I will simply confess in the bathroom mirror. No matter with whom you confess, be sure to speak truth but confess the whole truth. Confront your burdens and your past by naming them. Confront your secrets by naming them, but then remind yourself of the truth that because God lives within you, you may have made mistakes, but you are not the mistake. You may have made failures, but you are not a failure. You may have plenty of fears, but you are not your fears. Confess the truth that you are truly the light of the world. We are challenged to make this our confession every day, but especially today. This morning, we are going to try a communal confession, and we're going to do it as a call and response. And so every time I say, today we confess, you say, the truth sets us free. Today we confess. The truth sets us free. This morning, people feel fatigued. Some are struggling with illness, and others are heartbroken. Some are struggling with a shame-filled past, while others a pain-filled presence. We all need an infusion of hope. Today, we confess. The truth sets us free. Let us be honest with ourselves. Let us not pretend that our feelings of pain and fear are less than what they are, but let us neither pretend that our feelings are more than what they are. Today, we confess. The truth sets us free. We name our burdens and our secrets that haunt us, and we release them, knowing that God has already forgiven us. And we accept ourselves as God accepts us, our spirituality and our sexuality, as beautiful children filled with God's Spirit, sold out today and forever. Today, we confess. The truth sets us free. We talk openly. We talk honestly about our sacred journeys because we want to give others the courage to speak about their sacred journeys. And together, as we do this, we release all of our fears and all the chains that have us bound. Today, we confess. People of God, just as John's community and the golden girl Sophia were reminded of, we remember the whole truth that our lives do have meaning, that God has never left us, and that God is always with us. We follow the teachings of Jesus today and every day. We are living examples of God's truth. Today, we confess. The truth sets us 
Be blessed this day and forever. Amen.